In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Why are you here? You don't need to answer, but I would like for you to think about what your answer is. Why are you here? Why are you in this church building right now on Christmas morning? Last week, if you can't tell, I got sick with the flu. So I did what I learned is the time-tested medicine for sickness. I wore my pajamas all day long. I bundled myself up on the couch. I drank bourbon and ginger ale and I ate crackers while I watched television. And I was sick for a good while. I ran over a hundred degree temperature for five days, so that's a lot of television. So I had plenty of time to rekindle my love for a J.J. Abrams series, Lost. <coughs> if you haven't seen the show, it's really masterfully done. In over 120 episodes, he unfolds the story of 70 survivors of a plane crash on a mysterious island. But the most incredible part of the show to me is the way viewers are able to learn the complex backstories of the lives of 14 of those key characters. One of those characters, Claire Littleton, is a young unwed mother who we meet pregnant in the first episode of the series. Prior to the crash, Claire had intended to fly to Los Angeles, where she would deliver her baby and then give him up for adoption. But now we find her instead having to face the reality that she must be the mother to this child and in these awful circumstances, and that the entire community of crash survivors will need to carry the weight of protecting that child as well. In one scene, Claire refers to herself as a ticking time bomb of responsibility. Can you think of a single movie you have ever seen where a pregnancy test is portrayed as a moment of joy? How is it that we, as a society, have reached a point where our worst fear is responsibility. The greatest darkness in the world today is the breakdown of the family, of relationships, the denial of responsibility. It's that people have stopped desiring greatness. That we as a people and a culture have become minimalist that we've numbed ourselves. We've become complacent with mediocrity. And now the only thing left for us is to survive. <coughs> so let me ask you again. Why are you here? What is the point of celebrating Christmas if it is not to celebrate the birth of a Savior? For 2,000 years, the Jewish people waited patiently and eagerly for their Messiah. They waited because they lived in a politically corrupt society 
where family cheated family, <coughs> where, <coughs> excuse me, where the most important value was personal enjoyment, a time filled with sickness, selfishness, confusion, injustice, fear, and death. And more than that, they knew that not only was there a better life possible for themselves, they knew that they needed it, and that indeed they deserved a better life, and that the only way they would reach it was for something or for someone more powerful than all their problems to step in and to save them from themselves. And that, of course, is precisely what Jesus did. God the Father breathed his word, the Son, and Jesus inserted himself into a particular point of history, <coughs> history into a particular culture, <coughs> a particular place, in order to free mankind from the mediocrity of this world and to give us a promise of greatness. And he did this precisely by taking on himself everything that the world feared. Jesus wasn't responsible for sin, but he took on the weight of that responsibility. Man was terrified of death. And so to defeat that fear, <coughs> God faced the worst of deaths. And that is precisely what the crucifixion was, wasn't it? It is the most gruesome form of execution that the Romans could imagine. It's a death by suffocation, by <coughs> dehydration, and by exposure. <coughs> so Christ submits. <coughs> Christ submits to the most gruesome death, and he knows it's coming. And he's betrayed into it by his best friend. And his own people turn against him. And he's completely innocent. And everyone knows it. He takes on himself everything that the world fears. Responsibility, suffering, betrayal, death. He takes it all on. Precisely because it is by facing the thing you hate that you defeat it. And he faces it as one of us. The reason I want you to ask yourself why you're here tonight is because if you don't need a savior, if you don't desire to be better than you are right now, then there is no reason for you to celebrate the birth of this child. Tomorrow, the majority of the world will take down their Christmas trees and not give it a second thought because all this has been for the world <coughs> is another party, another distraction from the monotony of their mediocre lives. Tomorrow, most of the world will go on unchanged, no better. But we have to recapture wonder at the news of the birth of a savior, because when no one desires greatness, from what should any of us be saved? Christmas is not a celebration of a victory. It's a reminder that victory is even possible. The child who was born in Bethlehem <coughs> had to live 
33 years of hardship before dying the most gruesome death imaginable, losing his family, his friends, his home, his own body, all so that he could be victorious. How do you expect your life to be worth anything at all if you can't defeat yourself? How can you expect to win if you don't care what losing costs? How can you say that you have a Savior if you don't believe you need to be saved? Now at this stage, the warm glow of Christmas may be starting to fade just a little bit. And you might be wondering, why on earth is this priest trying to make you feel uncomfortable? Surely this has nothing to do with why you're here tonight. Surely this has nothing to do with the Christmas story. And of course, I don't want you to leave here uncomfortable. I want you to leave here filled with joy and peace. But I want to suggest that the deepest joy and peace of the Christmas season can only be felt precisely (coughs) by coming in touch with why exactly we need to feel that sense of peace and joy. What seems to be the greatest throwaway line in Luke's gospel is an actual fact, a reminder of the immensity of God's love for you and for me and how far our God will go to draw all humanity back to himself. Sandwiched right in the middle between the description of the great census of the Roman Empire and the fraught journey to Bethlehem all the way down from Nazareth in the north, the birth of Jesus and this amazing sight of the angels visiting the shepherds comes this little sentence. Because there was no room for them in the end. Mary brought forth her firstborn son and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. For 2,000 years, the Jewish people waited to receive their Messiah. But when he came, they forgot they needed a Savior and there was no room for them to receive him. And here we are, 2,000 years from the miracle of God's love. We call ourselves Christian. We've waited lovingly for the four weeks of the Advent season. We've prayed for the coming of our Savior. And now, in this Holy Mass, the Lord of heaven and earth will descend to be incarnated in his very flesh and blood upon this altar. He comes tonight in no lesser mystery than he did on the first Christmas night, yet Is there room here for you to receive him? Is there room in your heart for a savior? Why are you here tonight? Have you come for carols? Have you come to take your family Christmas photo? Do you want to make sure you were seen at Christmas mass? Well, if that's why you're here, all of those things you can receive and you can go back home no different than you came back to your beds and your presents and your parties and your drinks and your ordinary lives. But if you came tonight for something more, if you have come broken, in darkness, anxious, keenly aware of your own weakness, 
longing for something greater, if you have come tonight in need of a Savior, then to you a Savior has come down to earth. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, and she laid him where exactly? (coughs) We call it a manger. (coughs) It comes from the French word manji, to eat. And where was this manger found? In Bethlehem. The Hebrew means house of bread. The only ultimate reason for Bethlehem is Jerusalem. The only reason in God's mind for becoming a child was so that he might, as a man, die on the cross. The mystery of Christmas is the mystery of God's unfathomable love that desires to suffer for our sake. What is the mystery of the Eucharist? It's the same. You would think that God's love would have been satisfied with his becoming a man, And as a man living, suffering, (coughs) and dying for our sins, and having once died, rising from the dead, and returning in human form to the Father from whom he came, but no. The mystery of God's love is that he invented a way of showing his love for us, not only by being with us and near us, but God even invented a way of being inside us. And all of this tells us a lot about what love means. Love wants to show that it loves. It isn't satisfied with sentiments or words. Love wants to prove itself in deeds. Better, it wants to show its love in pain. Love wants to be near the one it loves, to be united with the one it loves. And all of this is hidden behind the mystery of the Holy Eucharist made possible by the mystery of Christmas, because these two mysteries are really one. The Eucharist is merely an extension, a continuation of what happened 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem in the house of bread. Because Mary gave birth to the Son of God, we now have the flesh of the Son of God near us, with us, and when we receive him in a Holy Communion, within us. The lesson of Christmas and the Eucharist must be obvious now. God does nothing in vain. He did not choose to become a man, nor does he remain a man in our midst, except because he wants to evoke from us something of the same kind of love that he showed during his life on earth and that he still shows us in his life in the Holy Eucharist. Jesus Christ gives us his flesh and blood to adore, to worship, and to nourish our souls so that we may be enlivened with his life. This is the lesson that God wants us to learn from Christmas as a historical event and from Christmas as a perennial reality because you see the Eucharist is Christmas. Believing in Christ's real presence, we now have the grave responsibility of invoking in faith this Jesus, of begging him, pleading with him that he might grant us those graces, if need be, those miraculous graces to believe. 
the grace that this sinful world he came to redeem so desperately needs. Jesus redeemed the world, but it is not redeemed unless we cooperate with his grace. And we must cooperate with his grace, not only for ourselves, but for the whole world, so that Jesus' coming into the world will not for any soul have been in vain. This is why you are here tonight. This is why we come to every sacrifice of the Mass, to be obedient with Christ, to worship Him and to receive Him, so that by receiving Him, we may with each day and with each Mass, that we may look and be less like the world and more like Him. We come to every Mass so that we may be saved. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.